All right. Miles Davis on trumpet and John Coltrane on tenor sax leading off on straight No Chaser, a classic they created all the way back in 1958. How about that? Julian Cannonball Adderley is on alto sax. Red Garland is on piano. Paul Chambers, Chambers is on bass. And Philly Joe Jones on drums. This is Lead Stories. I'm Beatrice Lead. I'm glad to be back with you today. And today, a surprise assignment. Yes, yes, I'm afraid you, you're going to be initiated today. That's what, it's, that's what the setup is all about. Uh, and we'll be talking about the Buffalo, New York mass shooting. But not in the way you think. Not in the way you think we'll be talking about it. You will be either a reporter or you will be an analyst. Just keep that in mind. When you get on air, you will announce whether you are a reporter or an analyst. We don't seem to have real solutions or real answers other than a slew of scrambled together ideas and so-called policies to show that well-intentioned law enforcement and police and political responses were attempted. The bottom line, though, is that no new ideas so far relating specifically to the killings, but a lot of discussion on the great replacement theory, which supposedly informed 18-year-old gunman Peyton Gagnon and his deadly assault on unsuspecting supermarket shoppers on Saturday. But before we take another step, I want to be sure that you fully comprehend or you fully have made sense of the event in Buffalo, New York, where this 18-year-old young man dispatched so many people from life with a sense that, well, he was entitled. He was entitled to do exactly what he did because there were things afoot that of course, mere mortals like us, we, we don't know that, we can't tell, but he could because he had a 180-page manifesto and he was an enlightened young man, a new wave revolutionary. All right, we'll get started. I'm not going to go into too much detail because that's your job today. Your job will be to tell us, either as a reporter or as a person interpreting the events, what happened 
And what do we or should we expect still to happen? This is not going away anytime soon. And it is important that we thoroughly understand it. It's not a normal event. And we can't treat it as an ordinary event either. Because there are so many dimensions to it that we have to point out why these things are happening. It is not important whether you think you are right or wrong. It is important that you're thinking and you're passing knowledge on to us. Now, people may disagree or they may agree, but we need to hear from you. You're not just a passive consumer of information. You hopefully will help us make sense of the information that you are presenting today. Again, you're either a reporter or you are an analyst. You assert someone giving us a perspective that goes beyond just reporting. You telling us the significance of this event, if you think it is significant, what that significance is, and what should we be bracing ourselves for. 888 It's a different kind of assignment, but in, event, in, in, in any event, I should say, it puts you smack in the middle of the story, but not necessarily in the way that you expected. We consume information which is to say we wait until the news outlets tell us what happened. They give us the information. And whatever they give us, we say, well, thanks a lot. Now I understand. Not today. You have enough of a perspective, historical and news-wise, you have enough of a perspective to give us an entirely different view. And you're going to be telling us what to expect a little further down the road. Let's see how you execute your assignment. 888-874-4888. We start off with E from Edgewater. You're on the air. Good afternoon, you treats. Good afternoon. How you doing today? Okay, thanks. How are you? Hey, I'm hanging in there. Still got Good. that like un uh, uneasy feeling that I just can't shake. It's been uh, since a uh, long time. I don't know. I I just I'm calling in first to. Uh, it's hard for me to to give a uh, an, an analysis will be a reporter on something that just seemed to, ha to happen. It seems that we're flooded with so much information, 
so soon. Yeah, but but I don't want you to do a commentary on that. I want you to stick to the plan. Are you yeah. going to offer a commentary, or are you going to offer an analysis, or are you just going to report on the strict facts as we know them of the event, and at the same time, you will tell us why this event was unusual? All right. I, I, I just heard about it this morning. Didn't it just happen like uh, today? I mean, Saturday. when did it? Saturday. Huh? Happened on Saturday. Okay, I didn't hear about it until I'm listening to the the radio today in the morning and I'm hearing about it, that there's this manifesto and all this stuff. I just found it uh, like there was a lot of information so soon. It usually takes a while for them to find out these things. I just, I found it curious that it was uh, so much information about that this guy uh, had all these things planned. So I, I guess I'm just making a comment on that part of the story. You know what I'm saying, Latrice? I really don't know. Yes, nothing, but I want you to give uh, the reason I wanted the, the whole story in the discussion is that we get a fuller picture from your perspective, especially as to the significance of this event and how you interpret the event, because you have these additional facts. But if you're not ready today, that's okay. That's Alrighty. okay. All right, but okay. thank you so much for wanting right. to contribute. All right, bye-bye. 888-874-4888. Are you reporting, or are you analyzing? The events of Saturday in Buffalo, New York, so that we understand, we get a very keen analysis from you, and therefore we can we can prepare ourselves that whatever is being said, there's something else that you know. You've been told something else. And it caused you to review what you might have thought initially. This means that you're no, you're no normal consumer of news. We hear over and over and over again the same facts, the same interpretation of those facts. That's good. That's great that you, you at least have reports. But that's not enough. We are supposed, by now, we are supposed to have a couple of questions in our own minds because of the uh, professional reporting and analysis. We should have some additional questions in our minds that we should be looking to answer. What are those? Saint from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I, I'll take the uh, approach as an analyst. Okay. I, too, I just heard the story this morning for the first time. And one thing in particular stood out. Additional information stood out and some information I've never heard before when you had these types of situations. 
and that is why was that place uh, a significant target for this this uh, this gunman? Yes, but and you're I asking was, the question. I want you to give I'm us the answer the to that. I'm, I'm, well, you yeah, have the answer to that. I mean, the, the answer. Okay. <sighs> Well, the answer was given by one of the um, the locals there that this place is like an isolated food desert, and it's a part of town where it's not even you can't get readily access to this particular territory area where this supermarket is. So they're like kind of uh, when I say they, I mean the community there is like dependent on this particular supermarket. And this supermarket is, uh, was will- the, the owner of the supermarket was willing to come in despite the fact that the other people who were asked to come in to build supermarkets and so forth, they said they're afraid of retail theft and other things like that. That's why they didn't want to come into the area. So these people were left destitute with no place to go in terms of food uh, shopping and and <laughs> so I that made a kind of an impact on me hearing that so I said well how do these people get out of this dilemma now now that that supermarket is probably going to be shut down for a while while the investigation is going on so after analyzing that question to myself I, I came up with a solution that would be like a, hopefully like a leading solution that other uh, organizations can model, can use as a model to... to but we, uh, we're not interested, we're not really interested in your solution just yet. You'll have to hold on to that a little bit longer. We're interested in the significance of what you are talking about. What is the significance of this? Well, to me, the significance was that uh, they were, like, locked into a food desert. And they were kind of like the way they built the highways, I heard, and put up the walls. It You you had access. You know, there was one way in access, and that was just to the local community of blacks there. And if you were coming in from the airport, the way the highway was built, it took you straight from the airport to the in the city of uh, Buffalo. So these people were really, like, relegated out there on their own, you know? So that was just... Well, I don't know that I agree with that. Um, Buffalo, this particular area of Buffalo is very significant, but not for the reasons that you say. So listen in and keep listening, and maybe somebody would raise it. But you're on a good point here. Thank you very much. Mohammed from New York, you're on the air. Good afternoon, you trees hope all is well. Can you hear me clearly? Thank you. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. This is not something that happened yesterday or last year. First of all, tell us what, what role you're in right now. I'm an analyst. Okay. Okay. The people here in America today, the so-called ruling group, part of it are the descendants 
of the people from England. The way you tell that is by the language that is a, the official language. This is a product of feudalism, the lords and the serfs. All right, you're way off. You're way off the mark here. You're taking us into a whole different territory that we are not interested in today. Okay. I want to know. Start in America. Then. I'll just I'm sorry. You back this. I'm a, I'll start with America. Capitalism yes, but... in its last stages grows. No, 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 no. But you're not listening. If you are an analyst, analyze what happened on Saturday. Put that in perspective. Okay. Okay. We'll try that again. Okay, the people in America, the group that this young man was a part of, they make it seem as though the so-called minority groups, meaning the Latinos, so-called blacks, are replacing them. So what they do is they indoctrinate these people, and this is part of their divide and conquer strategy, and that comes from them seeing the same thing, have to go back a little bit, happened in England, they came over here. So out of that Fear comes to hate, and that's what this is. America is divided, it's in decline, and you look at the fall of the empire, and the people at the top turn the people in the middle at the bottom against each other, and they use any particular difference and capitalize on it. And what you are seeing is, as we always say, the fall of an empire. Now the empire is bankrupt because they created too much debt. And now yeah, but are... you're not, you're not, you're really not close to the topic. Okay. You're giving us an esoteric, rather convoluted interpretation of what happened Saturday when we at least have some clear facts so far. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you what? very much for hearing my part. Let someone else speak. All right. Thank you, Muhammad. Jackie from you're Brooklyn, welcome. you're on the air. Okay, good afternoon to you and the listening family. And thank Thank you, Muhammad, for uh, granting the time. I'm going to try to approach your question. Uh, It's a little uh, challenging to me as well. Um, I'm going to start from the point of being an analyst. My issue, if I was an investigative reporter, I would want to know where did this person get the armament, the guns, the body armor, uh, the tactical helmet that he had on, and everything. Uh, Because in New York State, allegedly, you're not supposed to be able to buy arms and weapons online. So is this person connected to a group that they use uh, the shooter as a pawn to uh, express, you know, their ideas? And uh, who is actually responsible for this uh, man being able to obtain these kind of armaments and weapons? That's number one. Number two, uh, he was evaluated, for, according to news sources, he was evaluated for mental health uh, allegations of violence. And it appears that once that was done, he was never put on any type of watch list or concern list for potential for violence in the future. So if I were an investigative reporter, I would want to know about that as well. 
what happened after he was evaluated. Why wasn't there any further investigations or, you know, watching what he's purchasing and what he's doing? And then thirdly, I would look at his home and his environment and the groups that this uh, shooter has aligned himself with. So that's that's where I would start if I was investigating this. Yes, but then you're not an analyst when you do that. You're a reporter. Okay, so as an analyst, then you want to talk about uh, crime. You know, it's not crime. It's domestic terrorism against specific groups of people based on the racial or religious hatred. If that's what, you know, I'm not a reporter, so that's what I'm saying. The question for me is it's difficult to understand what you're looking for. But if I hope that... Well, when, when does something this notable occurs, we tend to lump them, lump the facts together, and we look at it as one discrete, separate unit of information. But really, there are two ways to interpret what happened here, and you'll have to necessarily separate a little bit your your role or your involvement in the story. If you're a reporter, you will be asking questions and your report will be the end result of the answers you get from asking questions. But if you are interpreting the event for us, you don't necessarily have to ask the questions to get the answers. It's helpful, but you don't have to because it assumes that you went into it with a certain body of information that is relevant and I was hoping that you could tell us what that body of information might be and what will you extract from the event when you apply your skills as interpreter. Okay, but may I ask you a question, Eutrice? When sure. um, mm-hmm. these people that do broadcast news uh I see them, and maybe I'm incorrect. That's why I'm I'm hoping you can help me with this. I see them as reporters, and I see other shows like the talk shows like MSNBC and Politics Nation and those type of shows as more like analyzing the events of what's happening in the world. So when we see this uh, breaking news that comes across, uh, you know, your phone or your Internet provider, uh, I'm assuming that that's a reporter speaking as opposed to analyzing it. So am I wrong? Well, you will, know, you, will know, you will know based on the quality of information that is shared with you. Is the person acting in the true role of a reporter, in which case the person does not rely on corroborative um corroboration, I should say, from others to present a point of view. But they do that all the time. And when a person is acting as an interpreter of the facts, the person is coming to it just like a scientist would. 
Right. And looking for all the separate parts and how they hook up. And what, as you see them hooking up, what reveals itself? That's what you're reporting. I I understand. I appreciate that. But going back to uh, what my first point, you're saying is more as an analyst about how did this person, the shooter, get so much armaments and protection to protect himself. Uh, To me, that would be part of the analysis as well as the report. Because they said he was wearing body armor and, you know, all this stuff. Yes. But that is what a good reporter would know. Because you ask the questions, you answer, you you ascertain the, the, the answer, and you are in that lane. When you are uh, analyzing, you have an independent body of information that you draw from. And you are asking questions a reporter typically is not thinking of, as, of asking. Because everything that has unfolded so far is quite visible. But what I have a problem with, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I have a problem with. The way it's uh, formatted, you know, they have all the officials standing up there making statements. Then they have, uh, you know, police, the mayor, and blah, 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 making statements. And then then after the statements are put forth, then the uh, reporters are given an opportunity, very limited, to ask questions. So okay. I don't know if it's because of the uh, urgency or the unexpectedness of the event that that's why they have this array of politicians and other people, you know, local and state elected officials. But the the all these other questions seem to get lost in the in the presentation. It's almost like a presentation as opposed to a news report. News reporting. That's how well, I there is a kind of uh, there's a kind of deal that people make. You don't embarrass me, I won't embarrass you. Right. You don't look brighter than me at my own news conference. Yes, right. I understand. <laughs> you know, you you mind your business, and you take your cues from me. You're not going beyond what I'm talking about as the elected official. And you mind your manners. Okay. Because that that is what gets you invited to the next round. Right. But that also impacts or impedes the information that's going to go out to the public. Yes. But who cares? That's not a major concern. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares about that? (laughs) This is a monumental issue, a major event. And people need to be seen as being out front and in charge. They have various roles to play that we are informing the public, are they? Not necessarily. That's that's my whole point. But that's the point. So, So when does the actual news reporting come into being? When does that actually take place? When somebody decides to be a real reporter. Whenever that decision is made to be a reporter, we will know. Until then, 
They are observing protocols. Exactly. Nobody is moving beyond the line. Nobody's acting out of line. Everybody is kind of herded together, telling the same story from the same angle. Right. And then they call for the prayer and the, you know, the hearts and minds and the prayers yes. and the memorial. Which yes, I that's, not, not, a, that's not a news prayer, conference. Exactly. And then if you they, okay. if you get the facts or the issues about how did this person get the armaments, none of that. And, no. um, you know, I find... If you're a good reporter, you go on your own as much as you can to get information from reliable sources as much as you can. If you are interpreting, you have to develop sources that could educate you, the reporter, to ask or to raise certain questions. You have to rely now on your very best sources. But what you have is they know they have to do, they'll, they'll milk the story for a long time, and they can't tell the same story every day. So they will kind of mix it up to make you think you, you're learning something totally different every day. No, it's not. It's the same story. Right. Yeah, I know, because this is evolving. You know, now the president has come sure. You know, and it just keeps evolving about the parade, the cavalcade of stars that are going to be parading. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is that part of the story? That no. we are expecting. No, we're not expecting that. Save that for your political work. You know, when right. you need to be seen, kissing babies, shaking hands, being very sympathetic, praying, you know, the, all of that mm. has yeah. nothing to do with the story. Well, thank you for enlightening all of us. I'm sure other people had the same um, questions that I had. Because, you know, we're not uh, news reporters and we're not in the news business, so we don't have the experience that you have. You know, I know... Well, it's actually the fact that this is how entire nations and the United States in this regard has led the way of combining public relations with the little news Lots of manipulation because there is an end game somebody has in sight and they want to manage it. They will manage when it breaks. For example, we had today somebody asking, well, why did, uh, why did we not hear about the reason that Buffalo was chosen? Right. It's very simple. It's a very simple reason. That's why the black folks are. Right. And he was hunting for black folks. No, Buffalo happens to be the epicenter of the black population in that town. Right. So they don't, they don't even think about no answers like that. The zip code is the blackest zip code in the area. Well, I don't think the news media 
and the uh, what we just talked about, everything, the cavalcade of the elected officials, they don't want to reveal things like that because the next issue would be uh, how long is this going to go on? Why do people in certain communities continue to take this kind of treatment? And uh, with the upcoming election of the interim governor on the horizon, you know, this is going to really, if people start asking those kind of questions, then they're going to have to put their feet to the fire. So, and they don't want to, you know, they control the narrative, so to speak. Because yes. that's why they do this. This is controlled news. Yes. Yeah. Notice, here's a story that practically any news organization would be going crazy trying to find leads and facts nobody has found so far. But they're all reporting the same thing. So it means that the news is being managed. Yeah, and he's getting ahead of yourself. He's almost a juvenile delinquent. You know, he... This incident reminds me of the shooting at the um, Manual AME Church in Charleston, where they took the shooter and got him uh, fast food and, you know, that kind of thing. And this young man is being treated almost like a juvenile delinquent, the way they're handling his uh, media, you know, exposure. So, um, but it's up to the people who are always the victims to say, I'm tired of being a victim and I have to do something to change. Nothing's going to change unless we try to change it. And I'm not only talking about the black community, other communities have been victims of hate crimes as well. And people But also, you, you want to learn a lot more or every opportunity you have of how a system works and why does it work in a predictable way. I could tell you right now what's going to happen in the next four or five news conferences. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah, and I can also predict that there'll be certain people flying in with uh, attorneys that's going to bring lawsuits and, you know, which people don't understand that the... uh, and I have nothing against attorneys, but people need to understand how all that works as well. You know, sure, that's business. When there's, when, there's a, when there's a lawsuit and there's a settlement, the attorney gets one third. So um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's business. Money. I mean, they, yeah, they expend money <laughs> to to bring the case, but it's still uh, it's not a justice or justice for the black community. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, and that has nothing to do with it. So. You want to notice these nuances because it wouldn't be too long now before they can't hold anything back. They have to uh, let it out. It wouldn't be too long from now. It will happen pretty soon. Wouldn't you Thank you. Okay, God bless and be well. We'll talk again. Yes, I hope so. Thank you so much. Brother David from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Uh, Yes, good afternoon all. Um, I think I'll take the analysis point of view, um, and this is the way I see it. Um, Those who rule, and uh, Brother Muhammad brought that up too, uh, they run the country. And the only way you can run is this is my interpretation 
uh, a criminal organization like the capitalism imperialism that the United States runs is to uh, divide people up as much as possible. Whatever uh, report you're going to hear on the media, that most of it is uh, owned by those who rule, you're never going to talk about their signature method of controlling this country and much of the world is divide and conquer. So uh, this young man is a victim of the methods used by those who rule uh, since the beginning, the Bacon's Rebellion on up. And this means that every way you can uh, cut the population, that's the masses of people, into different groups and get them uh, against each other, hating each other, fighting each other, by whatever means necessary with the concept of race or whatever way you can do it, you're going to do it. And you're going to hear no talk whatsoever of the concept of divide and conquer from these news reporters. Uh, They wouldn't dare do that because those people who run this country, call the USA, uh, want that to happen. That's the way they can get away with all the things that they do. Now, that young man was uh, in some ways a victim of that because he swallows all the nonsense that they talk to divide the people up. So uh, his part in this is uh, the white against black and all that and the replacement theory and so forth. And he is uh, in that category uh, where he has uh, his his hatred of the people who are supposed to be hated uh, uh, got to the point where he committed the act that he did. So this is very important that people understand that this is all for the benefit of those who rule, who want more police, who want to invade more countries, who want to steal things from other people and uh, all over the world. And you need to have people divided to do that. And that's, you know, interpretation I think is uh, right on point. And it, it works, and it's worked for a long time. And people understand, need to understand who the real enemy is. And uh, this poor little uh, criminal, um, you know, is uh, someone who has swallowed the nonsense that the rulers put out and gets people to that point in some cases. And it uh, is the latest uh, event, but this is something that has happened all the way through American history, especially after Bacon's Rebellion in Virginia. Thank you. Thanks for contributing today. Henry from Chicago, you're on the air. Greetings, you I hope all is well with you. I hope so, too. (laughs) (laughs) I hope all is well. So are you reporting or are you giving us an analysis? 
I will attempt to be a uh, an analyst on this one. Oh, so I see three. I see three. Uh, I see three perspectives on this: national, local, and global. I'll start with the national. What we're seeing now is um, over. You know, over the last I wouldn't say at least ten years, we've seen uh, mass shootings rise. But we're also seeing the type of mass shootings rise with uh, being racially motivated. So this one obviously being reported by the mainstream media, uh, racially motivated attack. And I think it started with the Charleston massacre shooting with Dylan Roof. And the reason why that starts there is because of the fact that there, there was not enough I guess for me, from from the public officials, there was not enough seriousness about that whole incident. And, you know, obviously, and we've talked about it on this show, uh, the the wretched display that happened at that funeral of of the uh, of the victims uh, with Barack Obama singing and everybody just, you know, hooping and hollering about it. Nobody talked about, you know, the the violence of the alt-right that was going on, that was cultivating during that time. Nobody talked about, uh, you know, uh, these these racially motivated attacks, whether they be successful or not. And nobody is, like, really connecting the dots, you know, on, on these attacks. So with this, you know, with this young white terrorist that, you know, killed these 10 people in Buffalo... What does he do? He 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 posts a manifesto uh, on you know before he, he you know before he do, does these acts. And what is the linkage between his attacks and say the uh, uh, there was uh, uh, the the mosque attack in New Zealand that happened in 2019? Uh, Dylan Roofs and others you know who have been racial motivated. They all post manifestos basically giving instructions on how we can do this again. So for me, it's all connected and our government officials are not taking this seriously. And much, you know, unfortunately we're going to probably see this down the road again. Now I want to take it to a global perspective because what we're seeing now, you know, because I just mentioned the New Zealand uh, killings, because uh, this perpetrator, uh, apparently, according to media reports, was motivated by that. And, and, I, and I think I, I didn't read the manifesto he posted, but apparently there were, there were news outlets that said that uh, he was motivated by those attacks uh, on the mosque in New Zealand. So we're seeing a reach out of the alt-right global movement uh, along with um, – there was a picture I saw of this young man in body armor who had the symbol of the black sun. Now, for those who don't know, the black sun symbol is one of the, uh, one of the symbols that was in Nazi Germany. People have this misconception that it was only the swastika that was in Nazi Germany. They had several symbols in Nazi Germany and that symbol is prominent on the emblem of the Asval Battalion that is in the Ukraine. And so you see the connection there. 
you know, neo-Nazi battalion in Ukraine, and we're supporting them, giving them billions of dollars. So, and then, you know, just the, just a couple of uh, months ago, you know, we saw the the alt-right uh, doing these truck demonstrations in, in Canada. So you're starting to see a, a rise of the global right, uh, you know, coming before our eyes as well. And then locally, now I've never been to, I've never been to Buffalo, New York, but <clears throat> I, you know, I was I was looking at some stuff about Buffalo, New York. One of the things that really caught my eye was the demographics of Buffalo. I was looking at the the, the racial breakdown of Buffalo because, uh, according to the 2020 census, there were 41 percent white uh, people in Buffalo, uh, 39 percent, uh, 30 uh, 36 percent uh, African American, and 12. Uh, 12% Hispanic. Now, compare that to the 1990 census, there were 64% white people. And in 1970, we had almost 80%. So what I'm starting to see is the decline of the white population in Buffalo, which according to, you know, this, you know, this perpetrator, he was talking about you know, replacement, you know, the, the replacement theory. So I don't know if somebody's been, you know, telling this young man this or he just noticed this about, you know, how white, the white population in Buffalo has, has gone down. And one last thing, well, as I was doing my research about Buffalo, there was also, and this, is, this was brought up to me by somebody else, there was also a racially motivated attack in the early 80s, a man called Joseph Christopher, um, who was labeled as a serial killer, basically killed um, 19 black men. And uh, according, to, according, to the, the, according to the sources, these basically were all racially motivated attacks. So, you know, one of the questions I was asking, like, wow, this is interesting. So... This 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 man was a was a was a was a serial killer in in Buffalo who was killing black people, and so you know this this for me this all connects to that particular area, the demographics, you know the the the, the crime that has happened, and, and and a lot of things. And I think the problem is is that most of us you know refuse to make these connections, and you're not going to hear this from. The, uh, you're not going to hear this from the politicians who are going to fly in because what they're going to do is they're going to isolate this incident. This is a one-time incident of a crazy young white boy who just, you know, decided to take an AK-47 and kill a bunch of black people. No, this is not this, – this, this, this young man just did not just wake up one day and say, hey, I want to go in this grocery store and kill, kill a whole bunch of black people. This is all connected. And this is all connected for a reason. And we got to get to the bottom of this. And so, like, you know, just like a couple of weeks ago when I did my, uh, uh, when I did my presentation on Chicago violence, you know, uh, many people who look at Chicago violence, you know, from the inside and the outside, refuse to connect the dots historically, socially, and politically. You know, they are, you know, it, it's, it's automatically, well, you know, young black men are just, you know, violent by nature. No, this is, this is not the case. So we have to understand 
what is going on politically and socially, you know, in, in that city, in this nation, and what's going on in this world as well that's contributing to this. Well, you make a very good point. And actually, you stole my point, but that's okay. I forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) And that is that we are being encouraged to accept the natural brilliance of this white young man. This is not natural brilliance. It isn't. It is that some people are paying attention to the metamorphosis that is going on in certain cities and who retains, who stays, and therefore are they entitled to more than the people who leave, even if they come back. Mm -hmm. There is a huge question here, and this pertains to the concept of white power. How is it that you can leave but still be powerful in a city that now has changed? The demographics have changed. The demographics have changed. The jobs have changed. You know, you don't have the same dynamic anymore. You have a different kind of job. The economics of the city has, have changed. They're not prepared to deal with these things. They're, these things are not important because they envision their power as permanent. Nothing is supposed to change about their power. And here's a guy, he's 18 years old, and he has already conceptualized and made real in his own head that he's entitled to a level of power simply because he has a thought or two. He's not that bright. Mm -hmm. Because he's mimicking, he's snatching from here and snatching a bit here and snatching a little bit there and shuffling it all up. And he looks, you know, a manifesto... What what manifesto? You wouldn't know a manifesto if I put it right in your face. You wouldn't know what a manifesto is. So there's a lot going on with him. He's mentally ill. Seriously mentally ill. But has anybody raised that question? No. Because even a... a a mentally ill person. It's the same thing with Trump. Has anybody raised the idea that Donald Trump is a stark, raving madman? No. Not at all. He's wealthy. He owns a lot of property in Manhattan. And he's brazen. That's what we need. That's what... These are the attributes of quite leadership that people respect. So when you show these kinds of actions and attitudes, people assume that in fact you are a natural inheritor. You're a natural leader. When you in fact you must be crazy as a loon. 
because your world view and your world are not the same as most people's worldview and worlds. It's very different. If you were to sit down and talk to Donald Trump today, what's your world like? <laughs> what happens when you see you laughing already? You understand what I'm talking about. He has no concept <laughs> yeah. of what your world might be like because it doesn't exist in his head. He's functioning in a vacuum, but it's a vacuum he created, so he's okay with it. This is going to hopefully take us to a really important point in the development of the United States and our consciousness, our political consciousness, because a lot of what is going on here is inextricably linked to the notion of who has power, who can exercise it with impunity and get away with it, of course. Always great to hear from you. Thanks for calling in. Uh, Ed from New York, you're on the air. Is Ed there? Okay, we've... We've lost it. But that brings us to the end of our program today. You see, when you talk as an analyst, you are in a whole different mindset. You can't accept the silliness that people uh, put forward for your consideration because they're reporting on something or they think they're reporting on something about which they have no understanding. All you have to do is pick up a map of Buffalo, look at the census tracts, and you will see who's living there, who's in the center of town, how much money are they making, who owns the property. You don't have to uh, going to deep, deep analysis, it's right there. This is why this young man knew exactly where to go to find the largest concentration of blacks who he wanted to obliterate. They're in the center of town. That's where they are. Analyze, though, analyze every situation to the best of your ability, because there will be all kinds of factors that you perhaps don't know anything about that will play key roles in what we are presented as, uh, with as information that is relevant. It probably isn't. They probably don't have a clue. And many, for many, they're probably seeing it for the first time. So we have a little ways yet to go on this as reporters and as analysts. And you will gradually get to understand they're not the same thing. Because you're looking to get at certain facts in each instance that people routinely dismisses unimportant. 
very, very important, though, that you keep your eye on the ball. Look, it's been wonderful today. You did great. I was sitting here grinning like a Cheshire cat because I was so proud of the efforts that you made to get to this task. You did very, very well. And we'll continue. You will be surprised, I guarantee you, what the story really is here. It has yet to be revealed, but it will be revealed. I guarantee that. Let's get together tomorrow and do some more talking. But thank you so much for the quality of your talking today. Bye-bye.